Hi there, my name is Michael Connor, and welcome to The Actual Body Self, where we interview high performers from all different walks of life and get some tips and tricks and different things that they're doing to accomplish all the meaningful and awesome things that they're doing. Today, we have an awesome guest named James Sampson. Now, James founded this high growth company called File Invite that does document processing and so much more. Um, but James does a really good do- job of diving into leadership strategy, creating effective boundaries, setting up routines for success, and so much, so much more. He's affable, he's approachable, he's so human, he's awesome, and he's a family man as well. I love this conversation, and I think you're going to like it very much as well. Please, please, please let me know what you think uh, and provide feedback for how we can get better because I am brand new at this. Thanks so much for listening. And without further ado, here's the conversation with James. All right. So happy to be with James Sampson today. James, welcome. Thanks, Mike. Awesome to be here. Awesome. Well, it's, it's great to have you with us. And if you could, could you just explain who you are and what you do? Sorry, Mike, I've got it's frozen up on the thing. No worries. Yeah, it froze, it froze on, on me as well. Um, James, can you explain what your what your company is and what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, File Invite is about requesting information from your clients. We're a, we're a software as a service company. It's really about helping professional service businesses get all of that information from their clients, like documents, um, Forms filled, things signed, uh, and thrown into the business and into your into your CRM. So every professional service has, business has a CRM. You're just about all using email still for collecting information, and that's now pretty much a completely unacceptable way of doing it. So File Invite solves that problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got a, a really fascinating background. I would love to to dig into. You studied architecture at university. Um, but from from what I've read and what I've seen, you've got you've got that uh, that entrepreneurial bug kind of kind of young. Can you walk us through how how did these sequences happen? How did you go from entrepreneurship to to architecture back to entrepreneurship, and what's your what's your journey been like there? Yeah, good question. Uh, I think so. I, I always had had a bit of an entrepreneurial um, streak, even as a kid. I remember at high school. I would be buying skateboards off mates and doing them up and selling them for a profit. Um, but uh, I think when you're when you're a kid, it's pretty hard to know exactly what you want to do, and you're quite impressionable. I think somebody had said that you'd make a great architect because you can draw straight lines and things. And so I was like, okay, I'll be an architect. So I took myself off to architecture school. Uh, by about year three, I kind of was like, look. I, I really don't know if this is this is me, but I knuckled down and finished it anyway. I'd spent too much time and money to to not, you know, finish. So finished the degree, but was always interested in IT and uh, and computers. I got my first computer in at high school actually, and um, came out of one of my dad's work sites. No hard drive, two twin floppies, and a monochrome screen with a spreadsheet burnt into it. And uh, I kind of taught myself to code on on the side, uh, and so I was, I was doing that right through architecture school. So by the time I got to my last year of architecture school, I actually started my first business, 
uh, which was a web design company. And uh, yeah, I've, I've never had a, um, as, as we in New Zealand would say, a PAY job since. Uh, I've always been you know, paid by companies that I started myself. So I guess that's, that's the, the short version of how things got started. Um, and from there, uh, went through a range of, of different businesses, um, starting them and I guess growing them, selling them some more than some more successful than others. And uh, uh, you know we could I guess weave through all of those various companies uh, up to about number four or five now. But uh, I guess that brings us to where we are today with, with File Invite. That's that's awesome. And how have you leveraged the learnings from these different companies that you started into into your next venture? And how have they built upon one another? Yeah. Um, well, there's probably two themes to that. One would be you know the general learnings, and then the other would be the personal learnings. And I think um, they're intertwined, but they're also different. I guess broadly speaking, in in uh, a couple of the more recent businesses, I, I had a co-founder, so um, I guess the, the origin story on on File Invite uh, we'll probably get into. But um, I had a co-founder on the business before that, and I was technically the the technical founder, and so I um, came from the tech side. And so moving into a sole CEO role in, in File Invite, um, a lot of personal learnings there around um, you know leadership and um, you know, coming out from behind the tools, that type of thing. And so I think collectively, um, all of the learnings together, it's really been about about the people. You know, people are what makes business, people are what really drive everything. And so learning how to, to grow yourself faster than the business um, and then also how to grow people because eventually it's, it's really them that, you know, they're standing on your shoulders and, and making the company a success. So if you make people a success in the company by virtue should be a success as well. So um, I think that's probably the the big key learning. Uh, and then the other side is, is really that, um, I guess build, build good foundations. Uh, you have to walk that balance between over-engineering where you are at the stage of the business. You don't want to build a company with system and process for scaling to a, a billion people from day one because uh, you'll, you'll never get out of the ground. But if you just if everything's complete hustle, and you know, like tape and uh, sticks, you know, put together <laughs> with a not a sure foundation, uh, you're going to create some pain further down the track when you have to completely, you know, rebuild everything. So um, try and do things well from day one in terms of process and looking after people, leadership management, um, but make sure you keep a really uh, a good eye on what's appropriate. So you know, maybe maybe building for one step ahead of the scale that you're at, not ten steps, and and not kind of not putting anything in place. I guess those would be the two kind of key learnings. That's that's really really helpful. And and with regards to leveling up both of yourself, right, um, along with the people that you're managing. How have you gone about doing that? Have there have there been coaches that you've been using? Is it is it a lot of reading? Is it curating a peer group of, of entrepreneurs or people you're inspired by? Or how have you how have you tackled that? Yeah, uh, pretty much all of the above. I think 
when you're in a high growth company, you, you literally do have to grow faster than the company. So if that's growing at a rate of knots, then you've got to be growing personally. And the company needs a different type of leadership at every stage as, it, as it's growing. So you have to continually be reinventing your leadership and, and how you operate. So, um, yeah, as I say, all of the above, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, audiobooks and, and reading. Um, I have had coaches and, and mentors along the way and I guess to that point you you grow out of them as well in terms of a different type of style of of um, coaching and sounding boards at, at those different stages of the company and not it'd probably be unusual to have one that would go all the way through um, and yeah massive peer-to-peer learnings there as well I get a lot of value out of talking to other founders and sharing war stories, you know. Um, there's, there's certain things about, you know, leading a high-growth company that you just don't get unless you're doing it. And so talking to other people that are going through it, sharing stories. Um, I guess getting to, it, it's probably a subset, but, um, you know, ecosystem, industry, conferences a bit. There can be some really good learnings there, hearing people that have, on a couple of steps ahead of you, you got to obviously balance out your investment of time between, you know, doing work and and you know networking and going to events. But um, yeah, that lot of lot of useful stuff there. So um, yeah, all all of the above, I think. And um, podcasts, you can do a lot of learning um, on the fly when you're driving, when you're in planes. Um, obviously, spend a fair amount on on planes these days. Um, so any downtime, I'll be trying to listen to things to upskill and learn as well. So every opportunity, really. Yeah. What, what, are, what are some of your favorite, favorite podcasts? Uh, probably my favorite one at the moment listening to is, is Startup Therapy. Um, so um, that's uh, the two founders of startups.com. And um, yeah, they go through a lot of the themes of, of startup and um, I do tend to jump around a lot, so I'll, I'll maybe maybe be searching for specific themes of pain points that I might be dealing with at the time, like I guess types of leadership or scaling for growth or that type of thing. Um, but yeah, um, startup therapy is really good one. I'm enjoying at the moment. That's awesome. I'll have to, I'll have to check that one out. I've been on this big uh, founders podcast kick lately, uh, which is autobiographies of of different founders throughout history. Oh, I love autobiographies and and stories. I think there's something valuable about hearing other people went through similar struggles and made it, you know. So, um, and often that's where you know, speakers at, a, at some of those industry events might share those types of things. Uh, you know, we're a SaaS company, so events like SASTA um, and the SASTA podcast as well actually get some really good insights from people that have walked the journey. So, yeah. Awesome. What, what's what's the origin story for for file invite? Yeah, well, I mean, to touched on it really briefly. Um, had a a string of a few businesses. Um, the one before file invite was uh, a web design agency. So, you know, back two thousand and nine, um, web design was was really starting to burgeon, and and there was a technical barrier of getting online at that stage so we grew really quite rapidly there we're in um, you know the, the Deloitte 
fast growth index as a company and we're building like 200 websites at a time and so getting all of the the content information to build websites you know the home page images the, the text videos all that type of thing when you've got 200 <laughs> websites all running in parallel that you're building was just a complete nightmare so we were running spreadsheets and calling people and um, it was a, a huge pain point so um, I actually built you know as I said originally technical founder back in the day I, I built a basic tool to, to keep track of everything that people needed to send in and um, to be able to send them an update and um, you know, pester them for a little bit and keep up to date the, the request list, I guess. And man, it worked so well that we thought um, a little later in the, the, the business stage when it, we got Zyber, it was called Zyber, uh, or still is mm. called Zyber actually. Um, it's still one of the leading web agencies uh, here in New Zealand. Mm. But, um, you know, at that when we got that fully managed, uh, we thought, man, other people could use that, that tool we built. And so, Took that to market and uh, you know rebuilt it from the ground up, and I guess the rest they say is, is history. Um, having said that, the you know we thought it would be a media agency tool like we were using it for, but it quite quickly became evident with some of the initial marketing that just every business that deals with clients and has to get or every professional service business has to get some form of information from them, and so. Um, you know, it's really popular in financial services for, for lending information, but you know, immigration, HR, legal, accounting, um, you know, construction industry, anything where people have to get a lot of information from clients and get it, um, you know, get it back quickly and efficiently, and now securely, it's become a big big deal as well. I think over the last couple of years, the privacy revolution is is really leveling up and people are coming aware of the privacy and I mentioned it up at the start of the podcast that you know we it's now unacceptable really to request information over email so uh, we're writing some big winds of you know tailwinds of, of change there which is which is awesome yeah that's that's awesome we're, we're at sort of post launch were there any use cases of file invite that you were finding that were, were surprising or did it take off in sectors that you weren't Fully anticipating. Um, there's always use cases that, that surprise us, um, but I, I think we we did see a little bit of a you know a, a spike in the bell curve around financial services, and so actively have targeted that sector, and yeah. so that's more a case of not wanting to boil the ocean uh, and and to keep laser focus more than actually you know. Um, it being more useful in one vertical than another, um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's some really interesting use cases right across the board. Um, yeah, so always never cease to amazing. I'm trying to think of some examples without, <laughs> without preaching people's privacy, but um, yeah, timeshare exit schemes, things like that, where people are wanting to wanting to. Um, collect information to be able to on-sell things. It's quite interesting. Things in manufacturing. Um, yeah, what very, very varied. Yeah, and I think not surprising, given all the different pain points that it that it solves in the 
you know, the, the flow of sequences that you need to run any, any kind of business. Um, yeah, with, with everything that you're, you're running and doing on a daily basis and all the different management and the, the different areas that you're running in, the fact that you guys continue to scale really, really quickly, what, what are habits and routines that you've established or ways that you've learned to manage your schedule to accomplish what you're, what you're accomplishing on, on a weekly and daily basis? Yeah, that's, um, it's really quite interesting because probably, probably not unlike the leadership that has to keep changing, the way you interact in the business has to keep changing as well. I think, you know, as in the early days, it's, you know, a dozen of you in a room or something, you have to be quite available and everyone's hearing everything quite organically and so um, you can be a lot freer with things. As the company gets bigger, there's a lot more demands on your time. Um, we've got 50, 50 something staff now, so um, you have to try and make yourself available, um, but you still, you know, have to get stuff done right. So I think managing your schedule in a way that you have visibility of, and and I keep, when I say have visibility, that you are visibly available, you know, so people can feel free to come to you. So some of those things might be, you know system so people can feel heard um, in terms of feedback, that type of thing, rather than just going straight to the CEO or something, um, trying to get more structure, putting people, um, you know, getting tools re really available for people to give feedback, that type of thing. Um, I think for me personally, and it varies from person to person, um, I work quite long days during the week but I really try and book in the weekends for, for family. I think that's how we've managed to strike a good balance with the family that uh, I'll knock off on a, on a Friday and uh, won't, won't open the laptop till, till Monday. And um, sometimes it's hard, every now and again, I'll end up you know, breaking, <laughs> breaking my, my own rules, but um, especially if I'm traveling, you know, time zones, um, you know, Friday, Friday in the US is Saturday in New Zealand, etc. etc. We've got our Colorado office is, is working on my Saturday, for instance. But it, but in general, I think um, I really try and respect that as a as a rule. So still doing really long hours, but there through the week and then the weekend, really try and make sure I get some family time and get out on the bikes with the kids and things. And over time, psychologically, that's built a a sort of psychological safety. I used to feel guilt that I wasn't kind of getting stuff done, but it's created a safe space for me, and it allows me to recharge. Um, and um, you know, I guess hit, hit the week again fresh and and running at 100, 110% again. Um, so that's something that I've I've found is quite effective um, from that that perspective. But I think the big thing really is. Uh, and it's taken quite a bit of time, but again, it comes back to the people thing, but working to objectives. So really mm. trying to um, trying to work with people in a way that you're outlying or outlaying, these are the objectives that we're trying to achieve. Um, and then you come to me with a way that we're going to achieve those, really trying to empower people from a bottom-up standpoint. So it's like, you know, I could tell you exactly how to do it and, and what what you're doing, you know, what you need to do, but that's me doing all the thinking and if I'm doing that for everyone then I just 
I'm, I'm the, I become the bottleneck. So from a bottom-up leadership standpoint, um, it's become quite empowering from my perspective to be able to empower others because then that frees up more of my time. And so, um, you know, that tees into a few things because some of the learnings might be letting go. Um, we talked about some of the learnings before. At the start, you you do everything, especially if it's day one of the startup and you're it. You know, I've pretty much done every job in this company. Um, <laughs> but as you as you go through, you have to keep um, scaling, repeating, you know, replacing yourself, letting things go, handing them off to people, and more and more rely on other people to stand on your shoulders and and take the baton and do better than you than you did. So sometimes they might do it differently to how you might, and that can be quite tough, you know. Um, because you might look at something and say, oh, that's not how I would have done it. But if you bring it back to objectives, well, if they've achieved the objective that you set, well, does it matter that it's different to how you might have done it? Um, and so that's been a real, real key thing. And I guess that really flows into the OKR framework um, that we use mm. quite extensively around you know, setting objectives for the company and then for the departments. And then what are the key results that point to those objectives being achieved? And what are the initiatives under that? So, um, yeah, there's, there's a few there. I guess I'll, I'll I'll pause. I could probably talk for a while. <laughs> that's 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 awesome to hear, and it's just so many so many awesome talking points that you had around sort of balancing the work life, and then how you're really sort of integrating and, and balancing and supporting your team so that they're driving and, and moving in a good direction. When when you look at 2023 and you're thinking about where you'd like to see file invite go given all the growth and success that you've had to date and all the different changes that you've gone through just in the last year what does 2023 look like to you oh more of the same uh growth at a at a hyper pace i think we're um you know we, we're growing our, our u.s revenue at like 120 percent year on year at the moment so obviously trying to Trying to continue that, but um, I think there's a big nexus in, in privacy at the moment, like I've, I've mm -hmm. talked about, and a lot of opportunity there. Um, people are becoming more aware of their privacy, that, that their data is their own, that they, you know, their, their data should be respected, and um, companies are needing to really change the, the way that they work. And so, um, a lot of opportunities there, both individually, for people to start thinking about, you know, how you interact and what your privacy is, and um, you know, what companies are doing with your data and, and expecting more of them. And then on the business side, obviously, um, continuing to companies are having to continue leveling up in terms of ways of working with consumers, off, off, offering a better customer experience than they have done, um, and a high duty of care around their data and, and information. So, you know, FileInvite is really, um, as I say, riding that wave. So, yeah, huge growth for us um, to, to scale within in the US and potentially look at uh, look at further opportunities on on our next office. Yeah, no, that's that's so exciting to to hear. Um, given the spaces that you you occupy, James, and how forward thinking you are. What excites you about where where technology and, and business trends are going, um, and how would you recommend people position themselves for for the changes that are coming? Yeah, well, 
I guess it comes back to that that key learning for me um, around people and every everything. You know, if we extrapolate where technology is going, all of the mundane and repetitive tasks will eventually be automated through technology. Um, and the thing that technology can't do is the the human tactile and interact interaction side of things. So um, that's that's where we need to go as as business leaders and technology companies is understanding the value that, that people bring, you know, from an emotional and human perspective. And, um, you know, that's, that's the value. I mean, you look at what FileInvite does. We actually, um, we tech-enable people-based businesses, businesses that are interacting with other humans, trying to get information off them, and we're tech-enabling that. So we're not trying to um, replace people in the mix, we're trying to supercharge them. And I think if we fast forward where things are going, it's just going to become more and more important to lean in on the, the human aspect and you know, great leadership principles, investing in people, believing in people, growing people, because um, you know, that's really a, a catch cry of mine is you grow great companies by growing great people. And I think um, as businesses, business leaders and, and driving growing businesses, we can't afford to just focus on the tech because um, it really is becoming more and more of a commodity and the people are the, the key. So if you can bring, you know, cutting edge tech together with, you know, highly engaged, um, motivated teams that are doing amazing stuff, I think that's, that's where the, the magic truly happens. And, you know, that's what it'll be. I, know I was talking to someone the other day and we are talking about AI and they might just take all the jobs and we won't have to do anything. And I, I said, well, if you fast forward it that far, they'll probably become, um, you know, a premium on emotional needs. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, some of those will be taken care of with technology. So the emotional and human side will become more and more important. Yeah, I can envision, <laughs> you know, that might become the, the economy of the future is not around paying for people's time to do manual manual labour. It might be paying for people's emotional connection. Who knows? It's a pretty scary thought. But um, yeah, I think we're in a really interesting time where the nexus of technology and, and people um, might kind of flip and it's really interesting to see where it's going. So, you know, putting people first along the way is, is never going to be a bad thing and it's exciting part of what we do. Yeah. I think that's that's really well said, James. Where can people find out more about you and and follow your work? Um, easiest places hit me up on on LinkedIn. So uh, James Sampson, James Sampson underscore NZ, um, or check us out at, at fileinvite dot com and uh, see see what we do. Awesome. Well, thank you. This has been awesome and, and really informative and really helpful and I think you gave everybody some really great nuggets of wisdom so thanks for your time no worries hey it's been awesome Mike appreciate it I right, much appreciate it